0: Hey friends, got a great interview with Scott Ryan, the creator of Mr. In Between, coming up for you in just a second. But before we get to that, you can support the show that comes at you for free each and every week by heading to comingupnext.com.au. You'll find the whole back catalogue of podcast rambles there. That's 166 if you're listening to this in sequential order. Uh, You'll also find links to subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Stitcher or on Podbean. If you subscribe to the show, I'll keep bringing you conversations with some of the world's top creatives each and every week. Let's get into it. What's up friends? Welcome to another episode of Coming Up Next. I'm Alistair Marks, this is my show. This is Coming Up Next, the podcast. Uh, Big thank you to my guest last week. Thanks to Matt Turnauer who is the director of uh, a lot of verite documentaries, including, most recently, a documentary on Studio 54 and Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. If you've not yet checked it out, you can do it at uh, comingupnext.com.au. Scott Ryan is is an actor, writer, and director that uh, you may or may not be familiar with. He wrote a film uh, in 2005, called *The Magician*, which he also directed and acted in. And uh, fast forward uh, 13 years, and uh, the film has been turned into a TV series called *Mr. In Between*. It uh, it premiered on FX in the States uh, on the 25th of September, and uh, just last week premiered in Australia on Showcase. Uh, if you're interested in checking it out you can find it on uh, on showcase or on demand if you're in australia um and if you're not in australia um might have to google to find out which on demand platform uh you can find it available on anyway uh i was uh i was keen to speak with scott about the process uh of of turning something from feature into series over such a a long period of time so we get into that Uh, we get into all the usual stuff so let's get into it right now coming up next with Scott Ryan Was it 2005 or 2006? I remember going to the Melbourne Film Festival and seeing The Magician. And now um, we've flashed forward, what, 12 or so years and um, you've turned it into, into a, a series with, uh, with FX and with Blue Tongue Films, uh, Mr. In-Between. But I guess it would be great to, to hear even before getting into um, the, the progress from The Magician to Mr. In-Between what your kind of background was and how you came into filmmaking from the beginning?
1: I guess I started writing scripts when I was about uh, probably look nine years old, I suppose. Um, at uh, I remember one of the one of my teachers at school. We had to do a uh, like a composition for school in the class, and everybody in the class wrote a story and. Um, she handed all the stories back, and but she didn't hand mine back. And she said, look, can you come up and read your story out in front of the class? I think it's really good. And, uh, you know, I didn't like public speaking. I was very shy, so I wasn't too happy about that. But I got up and I read it out. and You know, before too long, everybody was laughing their heads off. <laughs> uh, it was a comedy. And, uh, Do you
0: remember what it was about?
1: Uh, it was about going on an adventure or something. It was about... Uh, I remember there was, I used, uh, actually kids in my class as characters in the story and, uh, there was something about a, I don't know, we're on an island or something and there was a boat and somebody fell overboard and somebody picked their nose and, and went to wipe their, wipe the, wipe the booger on a, I don't know, on the ignition switch of the boat and, uh, somebody swimming in the water got all chopped up and so it was pretty dark. (laughs) And, uh, but everybody seemed to love it, you know, they really dug it. And then I thought, geez, hold on, that's pretty good that, you know. it's uh, I like the attention, you know, it's good, yeah. bit of positive attention. So, <laughs> yeah, so I started uh, writing uh, scripts, started writing plays, because we had like a little stage in one of the other rooms, and everybody had put on, you know, different kids would do little skits um, once a week on a Friday. So I thought, well, I'll have a crack at that. So I started writing my own scripts and, Acting in those, but uh, yeah, I got a bit of stage fright. I didn't like sort of performing, like, I you know, kind of freaked me out a little bit. So uh, I did that and then sort of wrote here and there. And then I guess I wrote, started writing screenplays when I was about, uh, I think, about 20 years old, I suppose, um, and did that for I guess about 10 years um, until I finally wrote a half decent one. Which was the magician
0: were you did you did you have any sort of um i guess formal training were you sort of were you learning while you're at school how to kind of start crafting scripts or was it more something that you were learning as you were doing
1: it yeah i think that's actually the best way to do it is just learn as you do it um you know i tried reading those screenwriting uh books where they try to you know tell you how to write to a to a formula um but I didn't find that very helpful. Um, They were written by guys who basically couldn't write. So, you know, um, if somebody's writing a book to teach you how to write and they can't write, well, you've got a problem, I think. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, well, if you know, you know, if you're going to write a book on it, you should know what you're talking about. So uh, have you done it? And the answer to that question is no. So, you know, what the hell are you trying to tell me how to do it for? (laughs) And I think that's a problem with a lot of writing these days. You know, I think that People go and do a writing course or they read a book and they think, oh, I'm a writer now. You know, I know what I'm doing now. And, you know, there's all these formulas that people try to get you to stick to. I think that's why things are the way they are these days. I mean, I think scripts now are much worse than they were before you had screenwriting teachers.
0: That's an interesting uh, interesting thought. Did you, have you ever felt uh, like, I guess a sense of frustration in this process of, you know, trying to get Mr. Inbetween or the various um, incarnations of that happening about the kind of state of some of the things that, that do end up getting up.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard when you see stuff get made that's just absolute rubbish and, uh, you know, and then, you you know, of course you think that what you do is, you know, is good quality, whether it is or not. Um but yeah, it's it's hard. It's frustrating, you know. You kind of, uh, and I, I just I just stopped going to see movies. Basically, I didn't, you know, I stopped watching TV and stopped going to the movies.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's difficult, I guess. Um, and I and it feels like, you know, in um, in smaller smaller markets like maybe Australia or other parts of uh, Europe or these places that don't have um, studio system, uh, I guess funding models. There's there's the things like development and proper script development kind of just get thrown by the wayside sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think so, especially in Australia.
0: Yeah, I think
1: uh, there's just not the money to really develop the scripts.
0: So going back, I guess to you know just leading into making The Magician, um, mm-hmm. do you remember at what point you kind of had the the idea or the that kind of inceptive moment where you thought this could actually be something, we could actually make something here that, that could actually be really good.
1: Yeah, I kind of felt, I was sort of thinking about, because I knew that um, whatever I was going to do, it had to be cheap. So um, I had the Hitman idea and I thought, well, how do I do that with no money so it doesn't look ridiculous? Um, and then I thought, well, you know, the fake docker, you know, is the way to go. So once I had that idea, I, I sat in and started writing.
0: Yeah. And was there was there a part of you that was um, I guess uh, apprehensive about stepping into that world, or were you just like, no, nah, this is and and I and I don't mean necessarily just the hitman world. I mean also the world of making uh, fake documentary stuff. Um, or was it just something that felt like this is a good fit for for what thematically um, the story I want to tell is.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those things that I, you know, I just had no money. So it was a matter of having to do, do it that way. Um, wasn't so much a choice. Um, I guess I would have preferred to do it, not as a mockumentary to do it more as, you know, Mr. in between sort of style. But, um, you know, when you got no money and you got no resources, you kind of, you know, you're between a rock and a hard place. So, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd give it a crack and, uh, you know, I guess I had a lot of uh, a lot of self belief, I suppose. Yeah um, that I could pull it off while everybody was telling me that I couldn't. <laughs> how
0: did you kind of uh, I guess how did you reconcile the the naysayers, so to speak, or was it just a matter of just believing that they were wrong and you were right?
1: Yeah, I just believed that I was right, basically. Um, I'm a bit sort of pig headed in certain ways I suppose and I just you know i just it's funny because i don't really believe in myself in a lot of other areas but uh you know in this area i just felt that i could pull it off i thought you know as an actor i could pull it off which was weird because i had no training i've never done anything um so I, no, I don't know where i got that idea from <laughs> um and i would never really done anything as a writer
0: was it do you, do you feel like it was because you like you had this character in your head you knew him kind of inside out
1: yeah i i felt that i knew him but i also felt I just, I just felt that as an actor, I could pull it off. You know, I uh, and I don't know why. I don't know whether it was from watching other actors, or I just, I really don't know why. I thought I thought that, and why I had that self belief that I could do it, um, and do it, you know, really well.
0: Yeah. So, at what point in the process did uh, did Nash Edgerton come on board uh, the magician?
1: Well, I'd made the feature and basically wasn't getting anywhere with it so I decided to cut it down to a half hour short and stick it in the St Kilda Film Festival and that was kind of like my last gasp effort you know I thought well if this doesn't do anything well that's pretty much it for me so uh so I uh, put it in the festival, got in and went to the screening and as I came out Nash was standing outside and he came up to me and he goes, hey man, I saw your film, I loved it. And uh, that's where uh, our association started. Uh, he, um, he said, look, i want to try to get it out there in the world. And I said, well, look, you know, you might as well come on board as a producer and that way, you know, get a credit on it and maybe get something out of it, you know, might help you. And he said, sure, but, you know, I think we should re-edit it. And I said, yeah, sure, because I wasn't an, edit- an editor and I edited the whole thing on a home computer. So it's one of those things. I just I originally just wanted to be a writer. That's all I wanted to do. But um, I couldn't get anywhere as a writer. So I figured, well, I'm going to have to become a writer, director, actor, producer.
0: And editor. And
1: make the film and editor and do the catering. So <laughs> um, I basically had to take on all these other roles um, and learn how to do those as well um to to get it made to get it out there so um i went up to sydney and and we edited the film up there with a girl called chris rose uh, she was editing and nash and myself and um did that up in the blue tongue offices up in sydney and i was up there for a little while and then nash got michelle Bindle on board showed her what we had and she came on board as a producer as a i think an, an executive producer, and. Uh, yeah, then we got a distribution deal with hopscotch and we got money to finish it properly, do us, you know, do proper sound and all that kind of stuff and transfer it to 35 mil and the theatrical and, and, uh, yeah.
0: It's a pretty uh, remarkable turnaround, I suppose. And I guess it just goes to kind of reinforce what you were saying about having that self-belief and, you know, you've got the vision, um, while you were shooting the film was there a kind of sense that yeah i've made the right choice because you you self-financed it as well didn't you
1: yeah yeah i say i uh used my own money that i'd saved up to um to make the film
0: yeah so it was really kind of a, an all-in sort of move i guess on your behalf as a creative to to back yourself
1: oh absolutely yeah
0: was, was there any were there any moments while you were shooting it where you felt like what the fuck are we doing? Or oh, like shit? I'd, like you know, anything, any like kind of big challenges that presented themselves beyond kind of like, I guess the, the logistical challenges of of putting together a feature.
1: I mean, as I as I as we were making, it, I kind of felt like, oh my god, this is this is not really that great, you know, it's not really it's not really going to be that good i kind of felt that um and it wasn't until i actually sat down to edit um and looked at what what i had that then i started to realize yeah hold on i've actually got something here this actually this actually could work um and really you know the the editing process was actually the thing that i enjoyed most just sitting there and watching and picking the best takes and putting it together um uh, and then I realised, you know, that I didn't have enough material. So about a year later, I think, or well, not quite a year later, I uh, went and shot an extra, some extra footage, an extra character um, and threw that in there. And then, you know, then I felt like, uh, you know, I actually had something that maybe I could possibly, you know, get into cinemas, which was a ridiculous idea when you consider the fact that it's, you know, I mean, how many student films do you know that end up with a theatrical release? It's just, but just, you know, and it was a crewless feature film, uh, no professional actors. I mean, I was just completely bonkers, really. Yeah. look back on it.
0: Well, if anything, the crew was actually the cast as well.
1: Yeah, there was no actual, as far as I know, it's the only crewless feature film ever made. Because <laughs> the, the, the actors were actually the crew, so... Yeah. Uh, you know, and no wonder people were saying to me, you know, you're an idiot. You know, you're pulling yourself. There's no way you're going to pull this off, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, for some reason, you know, I just, I just, I just knew I could do it.
0: And after you have the endorsement from someone like Nash, and you're you're up in Sydney working in Blue Tongue, and even I guess to the point where you know you've got this um, theatrical release with uh, with Hopscotch. I think, you know, at that moment it must feel like yes, i am I'm, I'm really glad that I that I backed myself that I um that I made this, that I put a, that I actually put myself out there. And then when did you and Nash start to flesh it out and think maybe there's something bigger here than just this feature? Maybe there's actually a, a show or a series or something that can come out of this this character?
1: Um, I actually had a lot of material just sitting around, like ideas that I wanted to do in The Magician, but without the money and the resources, I just couldn't do. So I thought, you know, why don't I start writing these ideas down? And then I thought, should I do it as another feature? And, And then for some reason, I'm not sure why, I sort of thought this might be better as a TV show. Um... So, yeah, I started writing things down and then a producer from Sydney uh, contacted me and, uh, and said, what do you think about doing a TV show? And I said, well, funny you should say that because uh, I've already kind of uh, had that idea. And then we got Nash and Michelle on board and uh, then we started uh, developing it with uh, SBS and we developed it there for I think about two years, and we got reasonably close, but the person who was who championed the show ended up leaving s b s and uh, and then you know reasonably soon after that they got cold feet and backed out. so
0: it must have been a frustrating and tedious process, I guess, feeling like you were getting um so close to getting or moving into pre-production or production. Cause I could imagine over what probably would have been about 10 years that, um, that it probably would have got close to getting up quite a few times before actually not happening.
1: Yeah. We had, uh, we, that, yeah, the SBS thing that didn't pan out. And then we had a, we went and pitched it to HBO in the States. Um, again, Nash, Nash organized that Nash sort of got that going. And, uh, and we had some issues. Um,
0: was that a surreal kind of process?
1: Oh yeah, to be an HBO. Yeah. yeah. It was like, geez, you know, these are the guys that did The Sopranos, and you know, so that was that was pretty amazing. And uh, but that didn't really work out. We weren't going to have the creative control that we needed to make it the way we wanted to make it. You know, they would have. I, I don't think that they would have cast me to star in it. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I think that was an issue for Nash and I. Um, I mean, more so him than me. I mean, I said to him, look, you know, if, if you know they want to put somebody else in it, let's just do that. At least we get it made. And he was kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. So, you know, then we uh, bought it to – we had it in Australia again and we sort of shopped it around in Australia. Um, and we gave the scripts to, to somebody here and – um, one of the, one of the, uh, what would you call it, um, pay TV channels, I suppose you'd call it, um, and they didn't, yeah, the same thing again, they didn't want me to be in it, you know, um, I asked them if they'd seen The Magician, they said yes, and I said, well, what did you think of my performance, they said, yeah, well, it was great, and I said, well, why don't you want to, you know, why don't you want me to be in the TV show, and they're like, oh, you know, blah, 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 anyway, so, uh, Yeah, that kind of fell over, they got cold feet, Um, and then about a year later I was watching their channel and they'd made, basically made the show, and uh, you know, changed it, but it was basically about a enforcer, debt collector, blah blah, slash slash, whatever, and...
0: uh, That must have been a kick in the teeth.
1: Yeah, it was actually, I wasn't very happy about that, but uh, the great thing about it now is, uh, you know, reading reviews, critical reviews of the show, and even people who don't like the show um you know they people are very happy with what i did as an actor so um that kind of makes me feel pretty good and it, and it must make these people feel like absolute idiots they're probably kicking themselves now thinking that they should have uh, they should have just cast me
0: yeah well i think like you said you know the, the the proof was in the pudding with the magician to begin with so i guess it's kind of uh, there Archaic views on uh, the process of putting projects, films or television shows together. It's just that kind of outdated model of uh, needing to cast well-known soap actors that just doesn't work. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to show that they, the people who ripped off my show, they ended up, it, it lasted one season and it was just absolutely atrocious. Yeah, right. Which made, me, which made me feel pretty good. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so I think, yeah, maybe if I can get a copy of Mr. in Between on DVD, maybe I'll send them a copy and say this is what it should have fucking looked like.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, so what was it like then, I guess, when you finally did get the right partners involved, you got the funding for it and you actually stepped on set, put the character back on um, and were on your first day of production? That must have been very exciting.
1: Uh, no, it was actually very stressful because I'd never worked on a, I'd never worked on a film set before, like a professional set with a crew and professional actors. I'd never done that before, so it was actually pretty traumatic.
0: Right. So, what were you doing, I guess, uh, in between The Magician and Mister In Between, to kind of to satiate your creative uh, bones, I guess.
1: I had I was sort of involved in a few things that didn't sort of take off you know I got a part in an American film was cast in that and that sort of fell over and you know so there was a few things I was doing and I was still writing and then eventually I just gave up and stopped writing so when Nash called me and said fX want to do the show I was actually I was driving taxis
0: were you I mean you're probably getting a lot of uh creative inspiration from from driving taxis I could imagine you get a lot of uh interesting stories and, and people coming through doing something like that. Um, but had you just like basically resigned yourself to not writing ever again, or was it just something that you were doing, uh, while something else might be happening in the background?
1: Yeah. Well, Nash had sort of said that he was, you know, I knew that Nash was still trying to get the show made, but, uh, yeah, I kind of just settled into, uh, you know, the nine-to-five life. And when you're working, you know, like I was doing a lot of night shifts and long hours driving taxis, last thing you feel like doing when you come home is writing a script. So um, it wasn't a conscious decision to stop writing. It just didn't feel like doing it anymore, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, There's something, I suppose, when you, you know, the, the creative industries are so uh, fickle and, and without any sort of real stability that, um, that when, um, when you do find something that has that, that level of security or stability, you know, you just kind of, uh, uh it, it can feel quite comfortable, I think. Yeah, it does. But then I guess, you know, moving however many years later when Nash did, uh, did call you and, and the show was ready to go. What was the what was the process like from that first really stressful day to you know um, premiering last week in uh, in in Australia?
1: Yeah, well, so uh, actually we we finished the show quite a while ago. Like we finished it pretty much last year, so it was kind of a lot of sitting around waiting for it to happen, really. So um, uh, it's just good to finally have it out there in the world, you know.
0: Yeah, I could imagine that there must be a great relief uh, to actually having this uh this project out in in the world um given the uh given the longevity of the process and um building the magician and then building Mr. In Between and the kind of challenges that you've faced what would make uh, Mr. In Between a success uh in your eyes versus what uh, would have made the magician a success when you made that back in 2005
1: I guess the fact the fact that the magician was released theatrically, you know, that was that was a success, uh, certainly a foot in the door, and uh, the fact that the show got picked up by FX in the US, you know, we figured they'd probably remake the show if we were lucky, but there was you know there was a small chance, and, you know, but we we hoped that was the dream I guess that we'd get picked up by FX or somebody in the states and and we get it we get it over there and you know now we've done that and we're also screening you know internationally in other countries in Europe and and stuff as well so yeah i don't think you know and the show premiered in the US before it premiered in Australia which uh, as far as i know has never happened before with a show that's been you know made in Australia before so
0: yeah it's i mean it's it's a real, uh, there's, there's a real sense of kind of triumph, I think. Um,
1: yeah, considering what we had to go to, you know, with all the years and all the struggle, you know what I mean? And, you know, the struggle to, to be able to do it the way we wanted to do it, you know, um, in regards to, you know, the writing and, and everything else and me actually being in it. And, you know, it's good we feel vindicated, you know, Nash feels vindicated that he held out for so long and so do I.
0: And I think even if you go back as far as the the um, shooting of The Magician, you know, um, to kind of bring something to life in the way that you did, and to then uh, kind of I guess move beyond just the the conceptually the feature film to actually having something that play, that's playing on a world stage now. It's yeah, it's a, it's a huge triumph, and I think uh, I think there'll be a lot of younger creatives out there who will uh, who'll look to that as a really um, a really great example of what can happen if you back yourself and you actually put
1: yourself out there yeah, well, hopefully I mean the great thing is these days I mean you know looking at the magician for example, I mean the camera on my phone shoots video at about i think about eight times the quality of what the camera I shot the magician <laughs> uh, was so. You know, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't and can't make a feature film or a short film with your with your phone. Absolutely yeah. no reason. Yeah. You, know, you don't need money. All you need is, you know, good idea, good characters, whatever it is. You know, if you've got the creative, uh, uh, you know, skills, I suppose, or the creative talent or whatever you want to call it, then... It's really not important what you, what you, what, you know, what technology that you have. Um, I think people get caught up in that a lot about how a film should look and that becomes super important. Um, you know, to me, it's, it's more what you, it's more the content um that's important it's you know it's things like the writing for example and writing really costs you very little i mean writing is something you can do for free for for nothing and it's something i did for nothing for many years and um you know if you can if you really put the time and effort into writing uh, you know it, you know it's i think it's probably the more, most important part of Making anything, you know, whether it's a short or a or a feature film or a TV show, it's if the writing isn't, you know, if it's not there in on the page, um, you're really going to struggle. I think.
0: Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think story and uh, and character and relationships, those are the kind of those are the real blueprints of uh, of a good of a good film. Mm. Um, thank you so much, Scott, for uh, for for jumping on the uh, on the call with me and and having a little. Uh, Little Monday ramble. Um, I uh, I end all of my conversations uh, with the same question. Uh, this question is: What makes you silly?
1: I think probably being creative, being a creative sort of person. I think that's what makes me silly. I mean, I think if I had a choice to between being creative and just being just not creative, I'd choose not being creative.
0: So you'd uh, so you'd you'd uh, you'd give up, give up all the creativity in exchange for being a little bit more uh, on the straight and narrow is that what you're saying
1: yeah i'd much prefer to be the kind of person who just could you know do a nine to five job and be happy with that i'd be you know i'd be i'd take that over being creative i yeah. mean if, if it pays off for you i think being creative is great but if it doesn't and there's a lot of people for who it doesn't pay off um then it can be a bit of a curse i think
0: yeah it's a very uh it can be a very difficult uh, line of work, if you want to call it a line of work, to, uh, to, to get into, for sure. Um, thank you so much, Scott.
1: All right, man.